chapter 16, Matthew 16. <clears throat> what I want to do tonight and for the next couple of weeks, really been praying about what to do and, and uh, I'm praying and I feel like this is what the Lord have us to do, but just take a look at the first century church. Um, the first church that Christ started. And uh, you will notice, and we'll talk a little bit about it tonight, but God blessed that church. And that church grew, but not only, I, when I say that, I mean, God just multiplied that place uh, so abundantly. But I don't think that when I say that, I, I, I'm not trying to say that we need to multiply abundantly, although I would take new people coming and adding to, but I don't, I, I, that's not the preface of this message and this, this series on being coming to the first century church, but it's more about who they were as individuals. Who was it? In the first century church, these disciples, these believers, these people, there was something about them that I believe, and as a as a traits of that first century church, that we can look at and say, "Man, we, uh, man, let's strive for that. Let's let's work towards that uh, because how much God blessed that church." Then, you know, if you know and you understand church history, where God started, Jesus Christ started the church, he empowered the church, and then the church just completely, uh, it received persecution, and then it scattered. And when it scattered, the gospel went everywhere. And much like we know what the, what the Great Commission of the church is, We've been given a great commission. We've been given a commission from God. And that's just, this was the commission that was given to the disciples, or would you say the church at that time? And it's the same commission in which we've been given. The commission hasn't changed. The, uh, the only thing that's changed is the, is the geography has changed, and the, and the people are still the same. There's still people without the gospel. There's still people that are lost on their way to hell, that, that need a lighthouse, a church, for them. And may our church be a lighthouse in this community, in this, in this area, in this county, where people can come and get saved, and people can know about Christ, and learn about Christ. Uh, you know, that's, may we become that. Not that we're not, don't, don't think that's wrong, but uh, not that we're not, but that way we, we may be better. That way uh, may our lighthouse be better, be bigger, uh, as far as the light shining in the darkness. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense or not, but, uh, but that we may reach more people with the gospel. So let's talk about the first century church, the first church. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus makes a statement. And uh, in verse number 13, he is uh, he's speaking to uh, 
Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, verse 13. He asked his disciples, he's speaking to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? Son of man, am. So he's asking them, who do people think that I am? I, I, who do you, who do people think who I am? Uh, he wanted to know. Verse 14, they answered him. And they said unto him, they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, which is Elijah, and others Jeremiah, which is Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So they are asking him, they are telling him, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist because, you know, you preach like John the Baptist. Well, some say that you're Elijah because you're an old preacher. And some say that you're Jeremiah, like the Old Testament prophet. But now he says unto them, but whom say ye that I am? I know, now I know, okay. Well, now, who do they say that I am? What is the world? Who does the world say that I am? Okay, well, they think that I'm John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, but who do you think that I am? Simon Peter answered, and said, what did he say? Thou art the Christ. the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter says, God, I know who you are. Or Jesus, I know who you are. There is no question you are not John the Baptist. You are not Elijah. You are not Jeremiah, but you are. You are the Son of God. Do you know what he did at that point? He recognized Jesus as being the deity, the Son of God. But watch what takes place next. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for the flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven... And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my what? Church. Church. Now, I want you to understand, and you probably already do, but he was not talking about Peter being the rock. He was talking about Christ being the rock. Peter was somebody that God would use for the church, but he was not the rock that he would build the church upon. And why is it that it's important for us to understand that? Because Peter wasn't the rock no. that he was going to build the church on. Because Peter was a man. And God or Jesus was God. And we understand that all other ground is sinking sand. But Christ is that solid foundation, the rock on which all things need to be built. And he said, I will build my church. And then he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, 
we approach this study. Christ started the church. He established the church. You say, how do you know that Christ started the church before he left? Because of one, he makes this statement here. I will build whose church? My, My church. There is a possession here. He would have said, I will build a church. This, If he was talking about in future reference, if he was talking about what Peter would do or what would take place, but he said, I will build my church, which means that it already existed, which means that he had already started the church. You say, what do you mean? He had already taken his disciples and started the church. I believe, and, I, and according to scripture, is that Jesus started the church and then it was empowered in Acts. You say, what do you mean? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 tells us, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Because we know at this point who is not upon them yet. The Holy Ghost is not upon them yet. The Holy Ghost would move about and move on people and move off of people, but they were not, the Holy Ghost did not possess them at that point. But he said, ye shall, why, why did that take place? Because Jesus said, when I leave, I will leave a what? Comforter. I'll leave a comforter. And that comforter being the Holy Ghost who would indwell you, who would be in you, and then that Holy Ghost would give the power to the church. Jesus started the church. Moreover, in, in Matthew chapter 18, I know I'm kind of laying a foundation here. We'll get to it moving in just a moment. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15 Jesus is discussing about the things of how things ought to be done in the church. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between me, thee, and him alone. If he'll hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take two or three, a two, one or two or more witnesses uh, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. He said, if someone's offended you, you know, you try to settle it, he's He's trying to tell them how to, how to handle conflict in church. Matthew 18, verse 17, the Bible says, And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto his, the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be thee as a heathen man and as a publican. Jesus was teaching them church discipline. What would take place if someone who was uh, against the church or someone that was trying to cause trouble, uh, this is what was the discipline inside the church. But why would he talk about that if it wasn't something that was established? As I said, this is my church. I, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. Now you say, well, how do you explain uh, do you know that there are hundreds of churches across America and across this world that close every single Sunday? There are churches who have not been able, not been able to reopen their doors since the coronavirus because they have shut down because of financial or whatever it is. But you say, well, how in the world does the gates of hell not prevail? You said, the Bible says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Then why is it that churches close every, every week? 
you'll drive a lot of times in a metropolitan area such as big cities and you will see empty buildings, empty church buildings. Why do churches close? The Bible says that God, he will not, the gates of hell shall not prevail. But God says, why does God say that? Why does Christ say that? If that is, church is supposed to keep going. You say, what do you mean? I mean this. What do you hold in your hand? A Bible. Where'd you get it? Where did I get my Bible? I got mine from the store. Mm -hmm. But where'd this text come from? Do you know who wrote this text? God. God did. But do you know what man wrote this text? Thousands of years ago, there were men who wrote the Bible and they passed it on from generation to generation and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You want to know why we have a Bible? You want to know why we still preach what we preach here at Mid-County Baptist Church? It's because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We hold true to the doctrines that God has given to us from the Bible, do we not? We try our best to stay true to every doctrine the Bible teaches and preaches. Why? Who passed that on to us? They did. And so when I say, when he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail, there may be churches across America that do close, but his doctrine and his word and his church will still live on. Amen. There may be churches closed, and there may be uh, Christians quit, but ultimately the word of God and the church will live forever. He said it won't, hey, right, but, and the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Against what? My church. My church. Christ started the church. So, let's just look at a couple things here tonight. What about the first century church that made the church? Number one is they had saved membership. Much like us, People that are part of our church, what do they need to be? They need to be saved. Right. If they're not saved and they're not baptized, guess what? They don't need to be. They can't be members. They don't need to be members of our church. You say, why? Because saved people need to be members of the church. You say, what does it take to be saved? Brother Blackie's favorite verse, right? Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, without that existing, I, we can't. We shouldn't have a church membership. You say, what do you mean? I need to be saved to become part of a church. And, and you say, why? The first century church was the exact same way. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 40, the Bible says, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves, and from this untoward generation, Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word, they heard his preaching, were baptized, they believed, and they were baptized, and the same there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What were they added to? They were added to the church. Saved membership. 
Number one, about the first century church, they had saved membership. Number two, about the, about the first century church was Christ was the head. You say, what do you mean by that? Christ was the head. Bible says in Colossians chapter one and verse 18, and he being Christ is the head of the body, the church, and who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. What do you mean, preacher? What do you mean, Brother Trent? I mean this, is that God ought to have the preeminence in our church. Christ is the head. And if we ain't following Christ, we ain't following the Bible. That's right. That's and he talks about that. Christ is the head of the church. Not any one person. It's Christ. Is the head of the church. What is that? You say, what do you mean? We resemble that, do we not? Is that what we're is that what we're here to do? We're to here to make Christ the head of the church and that my that he might have the preeminence. What is it? What is it about that? That Christ may have the preeminence. What does that mean? That Christ may be number one in this church. That everything we do, that everything we say, that everything we preach, that everything we teach, that everything we sing. Who would have the preeminence? Christ. Christ would have the preeminence, not anybody else. Nobody else but Christ. If I be exalted, then I've done it wrong. I have. It's Christ that he would have the preeminence, that he would have the preeminence. Jude, verse number three, he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We have what we believe. Uh, we have our doctrine. We have uh, what we believe in Christ, what we believe about church, what we believe about the Bible. We have been passed down that, and we need to contend for the faith. What does that mean? What does it mean that we need to contend we need to fight for the faith. Stand up for the faith. Don't let anybody take it from us. We see the first century church had safe membership of Christ as the head. But then also number three is they were the pillar of truth. In 1 Timothy chapter number three and verse number 15, I know we're jumping around here. 1 Timothy chapter number three and verse 15, he said, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh, justified in spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received un up into glory. You say, what do you mean? The church, the first century church was a pillar of truth. You know what we need to be? A pillar of truth. And the truth shall make you free. Amen. It's not my opinions. I don't, I don't need to stand up here and, all right, this is 15 reasons why Trenton says you need to do this. If I get to be to a place like that, then I need to go somewhere else. Amen. Right? Amen. It's not about me. I don't mind sharing my opinion every once in a while. But it's not about my opinion. It's about this book right here. Yeah. Right. 
And you know, you know, Brother Blackie's made a statement uh, about it this morning about the commentary that we have. That commentary that we read and use for Sunday school, that is that man's opinion. It is not Bible. It is not always true. I may disagree with that guy. If, the, if it's scripture, guess what? It's always true. Amen. But it's his commentary. And as a preacher and as a teacher of the gospel, guess what? I always need to be truthful Amen. about the truth. A pillar of truth because that's what the first century church was. A pillar of truth. A pillar of truth. Number, number one, saved membership. Christ was the head, pillar of truth. Independent congregations. What do you mean independent congregations? In, in Acts chapter 13, they were getting ready to send out missionaries, the church was. And in Acts 13 and verse number one, they had selected certain preachers and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Mayan, which were brought up uh, with Herod the Tetric and Saul. The Bible says in verse number 2, Acts 13, he said, if they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me and Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. What do you mean? Each church was its own place. You know what? Mid-County Baptist Church, we're our own place. We don't need to have to model what's going down the street. No. We're our own place. This is We're an independent congregation. We're going to govern it how we need to govern it. We need to make decisions how we're going to make decisions. Not based on what's going down over there or what's going on over here. We're independent. You say these people that were the first century church they didn't check the weather. They didn't see which way the wind was blowing to see what direction they needed to go or what doctrine they needed to believe or what they were going to do next week. They depended on God, much like we need to, to depend on God for what to do and where to go and how to preach and where to and how to preach it and where to preach it. It's a pillar of truth. We're an independent congregation. But we don't need to be so independent that we're independent of God. Amen. Sometimes I thought, well, I've got this. Yeah. But we forget. What does God want? You know, I think that's part of that. Christ is the head. See, it had saved membership. Christ was the head. It was a pillar of truth. It was independent congregations. And then lastly, and I'm done. They evangelized the world. This first century church in the book of Acts took the gospel from Jerusalem and went everywhere. Acts chapter number 1 verse 8 is a scripture I already quoted. But he said, and after that ye shall receive power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Where'd Paul go? Where'd those missionary journeys lead to? 
Where do those, where do those places lead to? They went all over the world preaching and teaching the gospel through the church. You know, our job hasn't changed. We are to be the just like the first century church. Nothing's changed. I said earlier, our geography has changed. We're not over there. We're not in, we're not in Jerusalem. So guess what? That verse, we're not supposed to reach Jerusalem first. You say, we're not? No, we're supposed to reach Netherlands. Fort Natchez, Groves. We might go across the tracks. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah, that's, that's good over maybe there. Maybe not reach some Indians over there. Might get blown up over there by plant, but I'll tell you, it's pretty good. <laughs> but our mission for the church is still the same. That's right. Evangelize the world. How can we do that? How can we evangelize the world? You know, they did it before before technology. Now, we were talking about that the other day. How they built uh, what, uh, the tabernacle. They built it without modern technology, modern tools. They did this, evangelizing the world, without the modern technology. Without the cell phones. Without the internet. They reached... Thousands of people for the cause of Christ. What? What are you doing, Meg? No, no, that's too much work. You know what they had to do? With their feet. They had to share the gospel with their feet. You say, what do you mean? They had to walk. Maybe ride a camel. Maybe ride a donkey. But Or ride a ship. A boat. How long did it take those pilgrims to get from England to America. Months? Months. For what? You know when they came? Preach, preach the gospel. Yeah. To preach the gospel. That's right. Because someone decided to say, hey, this world is not flat. I believe my Bible. We're going over there. Call them fools. What are you doing? You're foolish to go that way. Mm -hmm. You'll go off the end of the earth. Yeah, he said, no, I'm going to follow my Bible. There's someone over there that needs the gospel. That's right. All because someone evangelized the world, we're here. We have a Bible because they decided to evangelize the world to the Gentiles. That's right. One of the, one of the, one of the things that changed my, uh, history uh, of, of the world is the English Bible. That's right. King James. Why did that happen? Because someone decided to evangelize the world. That's right. What impact are we having on this area that we that we evangelize this world? How can we do that? There's many ways that we can evangelize the world. You say, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. Or, well, we can all pray and we can all, we see somebody we don't know, hey, take a track. We can all share the gospel with our mouth. Every one of us can talk. Some of us have no problems talking. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I wasn't aiming that at you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't aiming that at you. You don't have to, brother. We don't. You don't. <laughs> None of us have problems talking. 
But sometimes we have problems talking about the gospel. Yeah, agree. Because I don't know how they'll accept it. I don't know what they'll say. I don't know where he'll say. But what is our job? Evangelize the world. That's right. Only if it's easy. Only if there's no restraints. Oh, there is not an element. That's right. I'm guilty. I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of, oh, man. I should have witnessed that person. I had a chance, and I didn't. When Christ was sitting at the, at the well, and he gave that woman water at the well, See, a lot of people would say he all he needed to do was give her something to drink. That's a nice deed. She'll come back later and get the gospel. But he wasn't done there. He wanted to tell her about the living water. That's right. He had a chance to tell her about the living water. And many of us, well, well I'll tell him next time. Yeah, that's true. But to be honest, we don't know if we'll have a next time. Never mind, I'll be here next time. But the, but the first century church, man, they were... They evangelize the gospel. They evangelize the world. May we be stirred to tell people about the gospel. May we as well. I, I believe this. The Bible says, I will build my church. It's not my responsibility to build this church. You said it's not? No, it's not my responsibility. We, I Look, I want our church to grow. I want us to have new visitors, but guess whose responsibility it's not? It's not mine. It's God's. You say, what? My job is to be faithful doing what he commands. That's my job. And if God adds, then God adds. Why? Because it's up to him. I heard a, I heard a, a, a statement said many years ago. It said, work like it depends on you. And pray because it depends on God. I can put all my work and effort into it, but I need to be faithful, just simply faithful doing what God's asked me to do. What's God asked me to do? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. As I said before, every creature needs a preacher. And everyone in this room, we're preachers. You say, I'm a preacher? Yep. You're a preacher of the gospel. We all have a voice to tell. We all have to do our job. Well, we may not be able to do everything, but we can do something. But, I was going to say this. The Bible says some water, some plant, but it's God who gives the increase. So your job may be praying about the seed that's getting ready to be sown. Maybe your job is to, hey, you know, maybe it is that we add that to our prayer list before we go to the day. Lord, send me to the right person that I may give them a track. Why? That God is preparing that way, that God has given us that time, that God has given us that chance, opportunity to plant the seed. But you've already began to work because you've prayed for it already. Many times we'll do a work and then pray. But how should it be? We should pray and then do the work. Let God work. 
Let God begin to do the work. And then we can reap the benefit of God working. Let's pray together. Let's work together. Let's do it. Because I can't do it on my own and neither can you. Let's do it. Evangelize this community. Let's be a pillar of truth. Independent congregation. God is the head. Let's do it. I, you say, well, I'm not saying that we weren't already. Okay? Just a refresher. Just remind us, let's do it together. Let's work together. Let's pray together. Let's work together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray that everyone in here, I pray that you would use this to encourage people. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's that's here tonight. I pray that you